have your Bibles, open them with me and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verses 28 to verses 39, and then I'm going to go back, um, go back and um, kind of go in a little bit deeper. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been a call, called uh, according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he may be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ who died. More than that, who was raised to life? is at the right hand of God and is, is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let me just go back and address a couple things. Um, Jill, if you're doing it to encourage other people, that's cool. I was speaking specifically to those who pray the salvation prayer every week because just in case they don't, you know, they want to make sure that they've got it. Um, the question of whether someone who has been baptized by immersion in water as a child should be baptized again. Um, I'm going to give you the very quick answer to that. Um, this, the subject of infant baptism is actually very hotly debated, and I mean big time debated. I, I, I feel like I could do a whole study on that. Um, I feel like making a choice to be baptized is a similar in making a choice to be saved. It's a conscious choice. If you're a baby, you don't have a choice because you're a baby. So I certainly would encourage people, and I'm just, this is just me, I could, you know, this is something I could certainly do a, a whole study about, um, to make a choice as an adult to be baptized in water, a conscious choice in which you're able to say out of your mouth that you, you know, that you, uh, um, that you accept to be baptized in the name of Jesus, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? As a baby, you can't do that. Um, so I would certainly encourage anyone who was baptized as a baby, if they feel like, you know what, I'm a, I'm a Christian now, um, I have a new life, I want to get baptized in water, I, I would do that. Um, yeah, we're in Romans 8, 
and I read verses 28 through to 39. Now, I want to talk about verse 29. Verse 29 says, For those God foreknew. Now, this is is a subject, and we can kind of get in a whole subject matter about foreknowledge and predestination and, and, and election and all that, and I'm going to touch on that very briefly here tonight. But the word foreknew, the definition of this word in the original language says to know beforehand. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. The word foreknew in verse 29 means to know beforehand. God saw ahead that he would need to send a savior. How do we know this? Acts 2 and verse 23. Acts 2.23 says, This man, speaking of Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So, In this case of foreknowing, foreknowledge, in God's foreknowledge, he knew and recognized that there would be a need for him to send a savior. No, listen to me carefully. No one is chosen or elected to be saved or lost without a personal choice and responsibility in the matter. I'm going to say it again. Hopefully this just answered your question. No one is chosen. Now, for the record, will there be people who disagree? Yes. There are whole denominations that disagree. There, There are denominations that say that people cannot choose to be saved because God already chose for them. The issue with that is that the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord That means all. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for all. Our cardinal scripture in Christianity, for God so loved the world, not some in the world, the world. Again, this is a very big topic, a very, um, you you know, you could could teach an entire class, which, which would probably be a good idea in this whole subject, because like I said, there are people who, who very strongly believe, um, very strongly believe in the, the, the idea that you're pre-elected and pre-chosen, um, God knew who would be saved. Yes, but he doesn't choose for us. It's a, it's a personal choice. And we have a personal choice and responsibility in the matter. God offers invitation, promises, and warnings to all. Not to just some, but to all. In fact, you know, it's kind of crazy to me in a sense. That knowing that though Jesus came uh, for the Jewish people. Because Jesus even said, I came for the Jewish people. Imagine that. That knowing that this new and living way was now opened up to the Gentiles to think that it's only for some and not everybody has the opportunity. Now we know that not everybody will choose the Lord. 
We know that not everybody, once they hear, will make that choice. We also know that the Spirit of God draws people in. They're drawn by His Spirit. And how are they drawn by His Spirit? When they're presented with the gospel. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's certainly a hot topic. Now, the people who would disagree with me also don't believe that women should preach. So really, I'm, I'm 0 for 2. So we're just going to move on. Um, so God foreknew. Um, God foreknew. He saw beforehand. That's right, Steph. Everyone, all, everyone, every knee shall bow. Every, everyone's going to. God, the Bible. See again. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to go too far on this subject. Though I, I have some notes about it, but I don't want to go too far on it. But if the Bible says that God is waiting to give more time for people to be saved, if everybody who's supposed to be saved is already going to be saved, and it doesn't, then why would that matter? The whole idea of it, boy, you could really, you really open quite a can of worms. Uh, but anyways, so that's what foreknowledge means. Now, what does predestined mean? Because if you continue reading in verse 29, it says, God foreknew, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. What does that mean? In the original language, predestined means to determine before. What has been determined before? If the Bible says it, predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. God's plan had been determined beforehand. His redemption plan, then in order for someone to be saved, they would have to come into a right relationship with God. How? Through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. In his son, Jesus Christ. So God determined his plan of how, you understand? If you're taking notes, how, not who, people will come into salvation. How people will come to find um, their souls saved for eternity. That there is a way and there is a plan and that plan does not change. There's only one way to the Father. What's the one way to the Father? Jesus said of, of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So there is nothing else that could take the place of this plan. This is God's predetermined, predestined plan that had already been decided. This is the way. Walk ye there in it. You choose. All people are free to accept the call or not. Those who do accept, he has foreknown and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. As simple as that. For those who reject, he has foreknown and predestined them to eternal hell as an everlasting monument of his wrath. So again, what is this? predestined predetermined plan if you accept you will be conformed to the image of jesus 
and your soul will be saved in eternity forever. If you reject, you will be in hell. And I, you know, I hate to say that because I don't want anyone to go to hell, but it is the reality. And that's why at the end of this broadcast, I am going to give you an opportunity to make that choice. So God's plan is that everyone has an opportunity to be saved. I'm going to say that again. God's plan is that everyone has an opportunity to be saved. It's already been determined that those who accept will inherit eternal life. I'm going to say that again. It's already been determined, predestined, foreknown that those who accept will inherit eternal life. That plan cannot be changed and cannot be altered. Who will accept? That's left up to every individual. Now let's keep reading. Verse 33 says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. And what does that mean? Uh, there's another word for God's chosen as God's elect. Now that word, sometimes people are like, oh, okay. So there's specific people that God already chose to be his elect. Listen, all are, I hope you're, I pray you're taking notes. All are chosen to be elect if they choose God. Hey Lee, welcome. Good to see you. I'm going to say that again. All are chosen to be elect if they choose God. If you've chosen God, you are elect. And what do we know about the elect? Who can bring a charge against them? No one. Because it is God who justifies. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. To God's elect. In verse 1 it says. To God's elect. Verse 2. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. How do we know that we are the elect? Those of us who have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus, those are the elect. Those are the elect. So can you become elect? Yes. And I can guarantee you there are plenty of people who are saved, who think to themselves, man, the life I lived, I can't believe. I can't believe that, that, that I'm able to come to God. I can't believe I'm able to come to Christ. Why is, why can we all be united? You know, my, um, I told you off the top, I got saved when I was five years old from the ages of zero to five. I did very little sinning. Well, if you ask my parents, I, um, I lied one time. Actually, I lied a couple of times <laughs> because you know, we're evil by, um, you know, by, by birth when we were born into this world. Um, so I, I lied, I lied a few times, but really that was pretty much it. So for me, there was very little that I had done wrong. You have other people who have committed crimes, who have committed murders, who have done, you know, terrible things, but they, I was sneaky. That's, that's it. <laughs> I was, um, you know, 
who have done terrible things. But guess what? Little five-year-old me, alongside the ex-convict, we are both now the elect of God. Why? Because we have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Once you choose God, he justifies you. What is justification? Justification is an act of God where he pronounces a sinner to be righteous. Why? Because of that sinner's faith in Christ. It's not a given. You have to have faith in Christ and you are justified. So justification declares a sinner to be no longer guilty before God. Then after justification comes sanctification. What is sanctification? It is where the person is being made holy, pure, and set apart. Sanctification, where the person is being made holy, pure, and set apart. And then there's glorification, which is that final eternal state that we will have. So we don't have that yet, but we will have it. Yeah, I like that. Just as if I never sinned. So this is the process that a person goes through when out of their free will, they choose. And I know the subject of free will. Um, I think someone, I think it was Steph who brought up about every knee will bow. That's not really free will. It's not that they're, okay, can I explain it this way? They aren't, their knee is not like pushed to the ground as if, um, they have no control in the matter. They know what they're doing. They are just finally confronted with the majesty, with the awe, with the wonder of Jesus Christ, and they cannot help but to bow. The glory and splendor of the Lord is so great that they won't even be able to, to, to like, you, you, I, they're like, I have to bow. I have to bow. So they're not being forced to bow as if they have no say in the matter. But it, they'll be so overcome by the glory and splendor of God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That, that's actually an amazing picture. It, it gives me, I got goosebumps. Just thinking about it. The awe, the magnitude. That people will be like, oh man. And there will be a lot of people saying, I wish... I made a different choice. I mean, it's kind of sad to me. Yeah, that's right. My mom said it. It's you're not your knees aren't bowing now. They're gonna bow when Jesus Christ presents Himself. It's just kind of sad to me that I could look outside at people and think, "Wow, you don't even have the chance to be saved." God, God might just feel like sending you right to hell. I, that whole concept, I, again, it is a movement. I'm telling you guys, if you don't know that it's a movement, it is a movement. It is practically a religion. This whole concept that we don't have free will and, and, and it's God already decided everything and there's nothing we could do about it. Look, you're free to believe that. You want to know why you're free to believe it? Because you have free will. Wow, hey, I'm free to believe what I believe, and you're free to believe what you believe. And no one's forcing either of us to believe anything. So, justification, sanctification, glorification. So, if a person who lives 
and walks in the spirit, they will not be separated from God. I'm going to say that again. If a person lives and walks in the spirit, they will not be separated from God. That is the absolute assurance of salvation. The devil cannot come in and take this salvation from you. He's not permitted to, unless you let him. But you can't be just sitting around, you know, drinking a cup of coffee and all of a sudden the devil's going to come in. That's not how it works. But let's, let's push this point further. Turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 28. My, sorry, let's go to verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. What is it saying? My sheep listen to my voice. Number one, um, they know Jesus and they follow him. We're not talking about sinners here. We're not talking about backslidden people. We are talking about the sheep of Jesus who follow him, who listen to his voice. I mean, it, it's again, it, it's really, it's really quite clear. You look at it in verse 26, it says, you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. Speaking of the, the, the Jewish people, the Pharisees. So he's saying to them, you're not my sheep, but those who are my sheep. And they thought, they thought they were in right standing with God, but they weren't because they were not following Jesus Christ. So if you are a follower of Christ, you are obedient to him, you know him and he knows you and he lives inside of you. No one can come and take you. They can't. The devil can't take you out. You, you know what I love about Romans 8? There's so much, I mean, boy, Romans 8, there's so much scripture, so much amazing scripture in there. But listen again, some of these verses, we are more than conquerors. All things work out for the good of those who love him. Neither height nor death nor angel or demon, none of these things can separate us from the love of God. We who are in him, the sheep, and he's the great shepherd. And nothing can take us out of his hand. No, no one can. We can take ourselves out of it. But no one can take us. So again, this all has to do with choice and how you live your life. Let's take it further. You know, God is great. Let, let, let's put it this way. God is greater. Then all the united forces of, of people, of demons, of our enemies. So we never have to fear that our salvation can be taken from us. We never have to fear that because we are secure. We are set. He holds us in his strong right hand. You can't, no one's taken it. 
They're not, no one's allowed to have it because if that were the case, then someone would have to be stronger than God. Because when you rest in the arms of the almighty, who is stronger than the arms of the almighty to take you out? No one is. No one is. If everyone band together to rise up against you, they still would not be able to overcome you because we are more than conquerors. What shall we say in response to this verse 31? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hmm. But let's, let's go further this, further this point because I, I, there, there's, there's so much foundation in scripture for this. Revelation chapter 3, so this is in speaking to the churches, so the churches are still around. Revelation 3, verse 5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father, and his angels again he who overcomes this isn't speaking of, of people who, who are not living for christ who are living in sin who are, are backsliders no he who overcomes will be dressed in white your name cannot be blotted out it's not like god's going through the list and being like you know what i don't know about this one i i feel like eh. I think, I think I'm just going to take my eraser here. No, that's not how it works. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption we are sealed our salvation is sealed with like with, with basically you know you know how i picture it um have you ever gotten a wedding invitation like back in the day those really fancy ones and like the envelope would have like a, a um like a crest or something that would would seal the envelope that's how i look at it we have basically like a stamp from the holy spirit that our souls are sealed for the day of redemption but you notice what else it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So again, I mean, this is so, boy, it's, it's really like a wax seal. Yeah, that's it. it. It's really like, it's just amazing to me because it's giving you the answer in all of these scriptures. He who overcomes, he who is a follower and a listener of Jesus, who does not grieve the Holy Spirit. So what's, what that's indicating and again, like I, I preached about this in, in a previous broadcast, you can forfeit your salvation. If you're not living for Christ, if you reject Jesus, if you reject God, it doesn't matter that you once prayed the salvation prayer. And a lot of people don't like that because again, there's, there's a sense, nothing we can do can ever separate us. Yes, nothing can separate us. No one could come in. But what about if we do something? Hmm. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm telling you. <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 3. And verse 17. Therefore, friends, since you already know this, 
be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Oh, my aunt just said it, walking away from God. Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away and fall from your secure position. So guess what? You can, if you don't live right, fall from your secure position. But I'm going to tell you what, it's not God erasing your name. You did that for him. a choice you made fall from your secure position but he tells you what to do instead verse 18 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord jesus christ of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be glory both now and forever amen grow in the grace and knowledge of our of our lord and savior jesus christ so there are actions to take. Once you get saved, it's not just, oh man, this, I'm telling you that, that teaching, I, I don't really, I don't really under, like, it doesn't make any sense biblically. It, it, it just, it, it simply doesn't. I mean, you could, you could, again, your free will is going to allow you to believe whatever you want, but it just doesn't make sense biblically. What's the point of the New Testament if there isn't a way we are to live? Turn to um, Hebrews chapter 10. This is, I would say, poof. This is probably the, the biggest, like, warning if there ever was one. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins are left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You were once enemies of God. That's what we were before. So anyone who is still an enemy of God will be consumed by a raging fire. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled on the Son of God underfoot? Yeah. Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sacrificed him and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Do you hear that? The blood that sanctifies you, you could reject that. And the grace of the Spirit, that empowering grace that enables us to live free from sin, you can reject that. You can grieve that Spirit. You know how you grieve that Spirit? By sinning. By deliberately living in sin. When we know better. Thinking that, well, you know, uh, um, God's grace covers it all. Not according to this. It covered all the sins we did before we repented. And... If we repent and, and ask for forgiveness, those sins are covered. You know, there are people, um, myself included, that made some mistakes. And had to, to say, Lord, forgive me. Take me back. Like, like the prodigal son. So there is forgiveness for that. For repented of sin. 
But for those who deliberately keep on sinning without repentance. Hmm. Verse 35, listen to this. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's the promise that we have for sure. Like Sheba mentioned. That it's one thing when, you know, you mess up, you made a mistake and you come back to God and you say, Lord, forgive me. I, 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 I was wrong. I wronged you. Um, and then just deliberately living a life of sin, knowing that that's not how you're supposed to live. You're trampling the blood that sanctified you. That when you came to Jesus Christ, you were washed in the blood. There's an old song. That says, are you washed in the blood, in the precious blood of the Lamb? Huh. I love that. That's a great song. It's, it's, a, it's an old one, but it, it's got a lot of truth in it. Because there is a necessity, like I talked about sanctification earlier, for you to have your sins washed clean and they're forgotten. So... Do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw this away. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not take the spirit of grace for granted. Who has, I mean, man, who has insulted the spirit of grace? It is an insult. Look what the spirit has done. The empowering spirit, what, what God has done for us, what he's given us. That Jesus said, I'm going now, but I'm sending another to you. will be an advocate to you. And we treat it like it's nothing. Going on living in sin. Calling things that, 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 are, that are holy is unholy. Hmm. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Which I do want to talk to before we close out tonight. In forfeiting salvation, you willfully live in sin. You renounce Christ. You despise the gospel. You blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And you become an enemy of God. You're not stupid anymore. Because once you're in Christ, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good decision. Let's say you're, you're, you have the, the wisdom of God to make that decision. So let's just talk about that. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Because people talk about, oh, did I commit the unforgivable sin? People worry about that. Again, these are, these are, th this is the devil trying to get you to think that you're not going to be in heaven and it causes you to live in fear and it causes you to live in panic and doubt and anxiety. That's not from the Lord. Matthew 12 verse 31. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. What's happening here? Essentially, the Pharisees were, because Jesus was driving out demons, 
And so what they were saying was, well, this guy must be a bullet. Bo uh, boy, I'm so bad in pronouncing things. Bo um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Why can't I speak today? Verse 27 at Bub. That's not how you say it. But anyways, um, saying that he's the prince of demons rather than the son of God. And so Jesus is basically saying, how can, how can a king, how can a, I said it wrong, I know. How can a kingdom be divided against itself? How, if I was, if I was a prince of demons, how can I drive myself out? It doesn't even make sense. So blas when you, when you, blasphemy, listen, is, if you're taking notes, attributing evil to God or denying a good thing that should be attributed to him. So in other words, there's a move of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that, that's not from God. That must be Satan. That's basically what you're doing. You're attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan. And that is something that you do not want to do. So the Pharisees were accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed rather than spirit-filled. And guess what? Though I know that we can't directly, because I know that in this context... They were directly accusing Jesus of that. Though we cannot accuse Jesus of that, there are people who will say stuff like, that's not the spirit, that must be a demon. You know, you see people, um, and, and you know, different moves of the spirit that you see. Now, does that mean that every move of the spirit is authentic? No, there's been plenty of, of illegitimate things that have happened. But you have to be very, very, very careful. Very careful. In attributing something that is from the spirit to the work of Satan. If you're unsure, here's a thought. Keep your mouth shut. You know, there's a reason why talk, talking about that the hardest thing to tame is our tongue. Because it'll get us into big, big trouble. So best thing is keep your mouth shut and go to the Lord and pray for wisdom and understanding. That's what I would recommend. You don't say the first thing, oh, that's a kundalini spirit. I would be, I will, I will. It's not going to be good for you. People seem Christians, but they call themselves that. For whatever reason, you came on at the right time, Mike for whatever reason, would rather discredit a move of the Spirit than think for a moment, wow, look at what God's doing. Mm. So let's let's be people who are, who are very mindful of the things that come out of our mouth and that when we see something that we're not sure about, mm. Mm. like everybody's doing in the comments with the little zipper mouth emoji, you guys got it, you know it. Do you know that there is a sin that can't be forgiven? Do you want to know what that sin is? Unrepented of sin. You cannot be forgiven of a sin that you did not repent of. Willful rejection of God and the free gift of salvation will result in you not having uh, eternity with God. It's, 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 there, there's, there's not much else that I can say about it. 
Um, there's not much else th that I can say about it. All, j listen to this. Just as all unbelievers are assured of judgment, all believers, spirit-filled, walking with the Lord, are assured of eternal life. It is an assurance of salvation that if you are right with the Lord and you're walking with him and you're sanctified and you're willfully making decisions of saying, I want to please the Lord. Now, again, I understand, you know, we're human beings. Then, right, you, you, you yelled at someone uh, in traffic. I, I do that a lot. <laughs> you know, when you're like, oh, man, like, Lord, please forgive me for getting upset. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about willful rejection of God, willful sin, willful rejection of the spirit. Yeah, you, you nailed it, Pina. You nailed it. Stay super close to God in his ways and you can't go wrong. And it's not something that's difficult because when you come into Christ, you become a new creature. You become a child of God. His spirit resides on the inside of you. You now have this love for God that you didn't even know was there before. You don't want to live any other way. You grow a distaste to the things of this world, a distaste to sin. You, you grow disgusted by the things of this world. You want to know why? Because the Bible says that God works in us to have us live out his will. So it's not on our own strength. I want to read one more scripture before we close. You know, I heard this quote today and I loved it. If you're, and it said, if you're not looking down on the devil, you're not high enough. And you know where we are? According to the scripture... We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you are saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that the and in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ for it is by grace you have been saved through faith this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Jesus Christ to do good works in which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We are saved by grace through faith. That is, those are wonderful promises, enduring promises that can't be taken from you. Because it's already been established that God already decided this is how it's going to go. And there's nothing anyone could do to change it. So I encourage you tonight. If you've ever lived with any kind of fear that you're not sure if you're still saved. And you pray the salvation prayer every week just to be sure. You don't have to live with that fear. Because you're, you're, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're his workmanship. 
Though once you were dead in your transgressions, you are now raised to new life. And if you're watching me tonight and you're saying, I never made that choice. I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, so there's a belief, and then confess with your mouth. What does that mean? It means confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When we talk about how are we saved, you must be born again. Repent and turn to God. Repent of your sins. And that's what I'm going to give you a chance to do tonight. And we pray this prayer for the simple purpose that a lot of people have never prayed before. They have no understanding or knowledge of the scripture. They don't know. And so we pray this prayer so that you understand what you're doing. So if that's you tonight, and you would say, I'm not right with the Lord. I don't know what would happen if my life ended tomorrow. I don't know where I would spend eternity. Well, friend, I'm going to tell you. There's only two things that could happen. One, you could spend eternity with me and with all the wonderful people here watching with our Lord, with our God in heaven for eternity. Or like I read in Hebrews chapter 10, a fiery judgment for those who reject Christ. And God doesn't want to send anyone there. He didn't create hell for people. He created it for Satan and his demons. That's who. He didn't create it for people because we're God's creation. And then once we come in a right relationship with him through faith in Christ, then we become his child. So we're not all naturally children. We must be adopted into the family of God. And then you become a child of God. All you have to do is by faith, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior. So pray this prayer with me out loud out of your mouth. This is the confession part. Say, Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you that I am now saved in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please message this account and let us know because we, we're going to send you a Bible. We're going to help you, uh, help you in your walk and in, in your journey in the Christian faith, because it is, you know, there's a lot that happens after you, you, you do this and make this decision. And you can see it in the entirety of the new Testament, that there is now a way to live. There is now a path to walk in. There is now a way to go. And if you join that family of God, welcome. The angels rejoice. The angels in heaven rejoice when even one soul receives Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's a great truth and a great promise. Amen.